Welcome to another edition, another barnstorming edition of our brand new look podcast. We hope you're enjoying it. It's called Bush and Ritchie's Daily Takeaway. <laughs> what are you saying next? I don't know. I've, I, this is always, this is this bit, right? This is a bit like, you mean Morecambe and Wise are in front of the red curtain? Yeah. It's like those bits. Yeah. So we're like, welcome to the show. Yeah. And then... But like, a welcome always needs to be good, doesn't it? Like, if you're going around someone else, someone's house for dinner and they open the door... Even though they've invited you, yeah, and they opened the door and went, "Oh, uh, you, you've arrived." Yeah. I suppose I'm, I'm. We'll get something on. Well, look, I, this is it? a work in progress, right? So, yeah, uh, this is a slightly underwhelming start, but if anything, it prepares you for the absolute masterclass you're about to hear. Sets levels of expectation. This is Bush and Rich's daily takeaway. Proud day for South End today. We've only gone and got city status. Obviously, living Leon C just down the road, but you know, chuffed. Charles and Camilla are there now, handing over the documentation. Whoa. Probably in Adventure Island now, on the slot, he's the pair of them. <laughs> They'll have a fruit machine, apparently. So, that although it came from tragic circumstances, I, I feel like we deserve city status, Southend. We're ready for it, mainly because we've got the longest pier in the world, yeah. man. Yeah. The longest pier in the world. I think, although I don't, I can't back this up, I think you can see uh, Southend Pier from a satellite, from space. I would imagine you probably could. You probably could. Long Great Wall of China, same kind of thing. <laughs> same kind of thing. So, I'm very excited about it. It's a, it's a big thing. It means like some different signs and stuff in the city, and I think Southend needs that at the moment as well. So, this hour of the show, based on Southend's success, what little thing that your town or village does well do you think should clinch its city status? I mean, it's a leap, but I'm going to put forward where I live, a little town called Ware. It's it's small, it's got a comedy name for the first place, uh, but the thing that it's known for is the Great Bed of Ware. So when we were driving over to yours uh, at the weekend just gone, we saw a sign for that. Mm-hmm. What What is that, essentially? Great Bed of Ware, uh, built in the, the 1500s, right. and it is a bed uh, made out of oak. It's a four-poster kind of uh, very ornate bed, yeah. three by three metres, uh, designed for accommodating four couples. Wow, so it's like a bit of Middle Ages keys <laughs> in the bowl. Isn't it? I, I don't know what their intentions were um, when they built it, but... Um, yeah, you could put it that way. What goes on on the big bed stays on the big bed. Well, yeah, it's four posters, so you'd have curtains, so no one would know. The mind boggles, doesn't it? <laughs> That's good. That would get it city status. I die. It's a loose one. <laughs> so this is great. Uh, Mark in Skelmsdale says, experienced the second biggest roundabout in Europe. Should clinch city status for that as well. Skelmsdale, I've got a feeling that's where they make most of the crisps in the United Kingdom as well. There's a big crisps factory there. Surely crisps are now the second biggest roundabout in Europe. It's only a matter of time. Alison is in Woking, the home of the legend that is Paul Weller, she says. Surely that gives us city status for that reason alone. If you've got a heavy hitter like that, a big hitter in the world of music, I think it's got a point there. Uh, Steve says, a town can't become a city unless it's got a -a Pret-a-Manger. It's a good point. We don't have a -a (laughs) Pret-a-Manger in Southend. Ian says, Wellington in Telford. We've got our own mountain, the Wrecking. Not many towns in the UK can say that. The Wrecking? A, ma- a mound? I've never heard of that. Me neither. But they've got, in Telford, they've got their own mountain. OK, all right. Uh, because Chris has got in touch saying, we boast the world's longest bench. Wow. 139 p- uh, metres long. It's grade two listed. He sent a picture of it. It's on the side of the station platform there. I'm a bit of a railway freak. I'd love that kind of thing. It's an amazing bench. It's, uh, you know, I guess you, if you're designing a bench, you must think to yourself... 
How long is too long? Well, a 139 metres long bench, have a think about it. That's longer than the 100 metres. Uh, yeah, it, the bench, if you sat, <laughs> sat with someone at the other end, have you really seen these photos of uh, Vladimir Putin sat there having a meeting with his board yeah. or whatever? You know, the Kremlin lot. Yeah. They're sat that far away. It's unbelievable. You have to slide the snacks to each other. Uh, Matt and Bogner says, Bush and Ritchie, it's got to be Sonny Bogner. Has the Birdman rally where lunatics jump off the pier and try to fly 100 yards also had Regis bestowed upon us? I don't even know what that means. I, I think that is old language for royal. Oh, wow, so they're, they're virtually there with they are. city status. This is great. Uh, Jamie, uh, where are you putting forward? Well, I'm from Whitburns in West Lothian, and um, we're over the, the best X-Factor winner, I think. OK. That's Leon Jackson. The home of Leon Jackson. What was the name of your locale again, just so we missed it on the phone there? Uh, it's Whitburn, West Lothian. Brilliant. What year did he win then, Leon? Uh, I think it was 2008 or 2007. Okay. Um, and uh, do you, do you happen to know what Leon is is doing these days? Um, I don't actually know. I think I don't think he's had another hit. But um, okay. I think he, he writes like songs and stuff now. Do um, you ever bump into him or see him in town? No, I used to go to school with him though. Um, he was in my year at school. All right. Had you earmarked uh, him for stardom? Um, I don't know. I don't think any of us knew he could sing until he actually went on it. So yeah, it was a bit of a surprise. Brilliant. I think you'd be fantastic. You could do some tours, the Leon Jackson tour in <laughs> yeah. around the local area, point out different places. This is where we study for double English. <laughs> Dan says, Epping for having incredibly famous, yet surprisingly small forest. It is a very small forest. Uh, small but perfectly formed. And Lou Nash, our colleague from Absolute Radio Country, says the villager grew up in Highbrook, hold an annual harvest festival where all the residents gather to eat communal shepherd's pie and sing songs about gallipots and geese. <laughs> I think she might live in a fairy tale. <laughs> uh, Jill, what are you putting forwards? Um, well, I was putting forward Reading, which is where I'm actually from. I live in Norwich now. Right. Um, but yeah, we've got a lot of um, sort of quite a lot of famous people that have got associations with Reading or are from Reading. So. Go on, go on, then give us the big hitters then in the world of stars and celebs from Reading. Uh, okay, so we've got Ricky Gervais. Yeah. Yes. Um, Kate Winslet. Yes. And Kenneth Branagh, who moved to Reading when he was 10. I have to say, if you're thinking of towns that aren't yet city status, there's not going to be many that have such a trio of celebrity than that. Well, what about this, though? What about this, Jill? We've just had a text in from Leon, who's in Rochdale. He says, Rochdale needs to be made a city, home of the co-op, Lisa Stansfield and Gracie Field. Oh, well, I think that beats it, don't you? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I can't top that. I feel at this point I should bring up something that uh, was rather awkward uh, about uh, the previous edition of uh, The Daily Takeaway. Uh, and uh, do you remember listener Debbie, who had got in touch, uh, wanting to have a dedication whilst listening to the podcast during an operation? Yeah, you got into some very unusual territory when you were you were replying to her on the show. Well, yeah, because she was she was saying that she wanted to listen to the podcast because she was going to stay awake during a procedure, and if she listened to the podcast, then she wouldn't hear everything that was going on. Fair point, fair enough. But I said that you can't close off all senses, and I would be worried about what she would smell during the operation. OK, and you were saying specifically... Meat. Yeah. Well, yeah. Have you ever worked on the wards, gone round, just like a little morale booster? No, but I've watched Holby. Yeah, have you ever worked on hospital radio? <laughs> no, I did. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought you did. Unbelievably, the career progressed. <laughs> anyway, Debbie has sent me a message. So she's OK? She's OK. She said, 
It's a good day for not smelling of meat. What a, what a great title <laughs> for an email. <laughs> You'll be pleased to know there was no scent from them delving into my buttock. Oh my word. However, there is now massive pain, but you boys really made me laugh. Oh. Thank you. I'm glad you didn't get to take out the meat-based content from the podcast. I was properly sniggering with laughter and trying not to let it shake my legs. You guys are the best medicine. Hey, well, this is good. This is A, it's great to know that you're on the men, Debbie, which is brilliant. We're chuffed for you. But I mean, maybe maybe we could be onto someone here a little bit. If you if you are recovering from something yeah. and you need the, the elixir of the hometime show <laughs> Absolutely. to make you feel better, then damn it, get in touch and we'll give you a mention on the show. Hometime at absoluteradio.co.uk. Right, I am spinning a tombola inside it. 100 balls. Those balls mark up to 100 possible topics uh, for the next hour of the show. But what will it be? We don't know. We were talking about tractors uh, for an entire hour last week. Let's see where we go now. Uh, it's ball 28. Weddings. Wedding stories. It's another one-word topic. Ball, 50, ball 28. Weddings. Okay, I've mentioned this before on the show, but I, when I was a waiter at the Berryhead Hotel in Brixham, we had a quite a turbulent wedding reception that we put on, and then I remember in the morning serving breakfast the next morning, coming in, and the groom was asleep outside the room in the hallway because he'd gone off into town that night with another woman. No. And then she kept him out of the room overnight. What a start to your, your married life. <laughs> Sleeping on the flipping floor. I'm literally speechless. I have to say to him, do you fancy any breakfast or anything? He's like, oh, I'll just leave it. Wow. So, yeah, what about that for a bad start? Wow. If you can beat it, I mean, that's going some. But if you've got a great wedding story, that's what the Tombola wants to hear from you tonight. Uh, I can remember going to a wedding good couple of years ago now. Uh -huh. uh, the invite had come through. Uh, it, was, it was from a really good friend. Wedding, uh, the invite had come through. And... In my book, it hadn't made clear what part of the whole day we'd been invited to. Oh, the kind of split between daytime guest and evening-only guest. Yeah, so I'd read it that we were like, you know, all-day people. So, you know, turned up, went to the church service... That was lovely. Then drove off to the, the uh, to, to the venue for the reception. Got there. Bride and groom had gone off to have some pictures taken everywhere else, all that kind of thing. So, you know, parked the car, settled down, you know, taking the, the buffet food, having a little drink and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Then went to see where we were sat on the table plan. Absolutely nowhere to be seen whatsoever. <laughs> oh, my God, that's so awful. And then, you, th then it's everything suddenly falling into place, thinking, we've got to leave now. Because the bride and groom are going to turn up. If they see us here, they're thinking, they're not invited. Also, there's nowhere to go. You can't just, like, hang out around the back. And it you? was... The, the, the venue was, like, some kind of farmyard track. So it was... I knew that we had to leave immediately, <laughs> otherwise we'd have this sort of like, you know, face-off with the wedding car coming the other way. Oh. And then you, we managed to escape, and then it's suddenly thinking, well, hang on, where am I eating now? I've not had lunch. We're miles up the M1. So pulling into, like, Toddington Services in, like, Dressed suit up. and a dress and all this kind of thing, having a Burger King double whopper. It's like, oh, come on, this the, is awful. The weird thing is, when, when you go anywhere else and you're, and you're doled up like that, you look like someone who's steaming, just got back from the whole the races, <laughs> yeah. the races. I, I'm I'm for you in terms of what your other half would have said to you, like, come, crash down on you about your interpretation of the uh, invite as well. That was one of those situations where both of us had read it exactly the same way. So that's good. Yeah. At least that's good. Same boat, same boat. Wow, so, that's awful, isn't it? It, it was terrible. Wow. Uh, the only thing we didn't agree with was whether we should go back for the evening do. 
Me, no way. Did you go back in the end? No, 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 no. Good on you, I support that Wrote one. Wrote the day off. Uh, no shortage. Uh, Emma says I used to work nights in a hotel. I spent one night trying to get a couple back together after a family oh. member showed up causing trouble. Poor best man up with me until 4am in the morning of the wedding, convincing them it was best to get married. Not, that's unbelievable, isn't it? Having that kind of thing on your wedding day is crazy. Karen says, just got married this weekend. I had my dress on for three hours. The reason it was only three hours, we had a puppy as a guest, he got excited and Weed on my train. <laughs> wow. Uh, right, Katie's hanging on. You've got a wedding story for us, haven't you? I have, yeah. Two years ago, my daughter got married. Um, on the Saturday morning, marquee, 150 people, really posh, set up. Uh, the lady that made the £400 cake turned up, took an hour and a half to set the cake up. Um, our good friend came. He was doing a pig roast for the evening. Right. Um, and so he came down to set up. Um, he basically let his dog out of his truck to run around. The dog, Labrador, went straight into the marquee, thought, oh, lovely present for me, and demolished the cake. Luckily, yet seriously, the whole lot was down, crashed around the floor, Strawberries flying everywhere. For a dog, though, for a dog, it doesn't get any better than that. That is the great train robbery for the dog, isn't it? It's amazing. Absolutely. But luckily, the chef who was doing the catering, his wife was a chef, and it was her birthday, and she was meant to be going out, and he rang her, and she came to the venue on her birthday, cancelled her night out, and came and created a new cake in three hours. Um, and produced this incredible cake with flowers she borrowed from the tables and stuck them all over it. And really, unless I had told everybody, which I did, if we hadn't have told everybody, <laughs> I don't think anyone would have been any the wiser. Um, but my friend, my friend hid for three weeks afterwards because he was too scared to come and see me. <laughs> Katie, it's amazing. Did anyone capture it on, on camcorder? Because that would be a you've been framed shoo-in. <laughs> Absolutely, unfortunately, only a very pale partner of mine that appeared in the house to say, please, can you come upstairs? I need to tell you something really urgent to tell me that the cake was no longer. (laughs) Brilliant. Lovely to speak to you, Katie. That's great. Sue says, first time married 37 years ago, we organised a double-decker bus from the church to the reception for the guests. Oh, lovely. We arrived and waited for the guests. They arrived one hour later. The bus got lost. Oh, that's a nightmare. That's a bad omen, that. I'm sure they're fine. Uh, Weddings, this one says... She says first time. Oh, is that right? (laughs) It was an omen. Uh, My husband's friend got the dates mixed up for our wedding. Our wedding was on the Sunday, so him and his girlfriend turned up on the Saturday. I don't know how long they basically attended the wrong wedding, but eventually he sent a text to us saying, where are you guys? I don't recognise anyone. (laughs) Obviously, everyone else was completely baffled and asked where he was. Uh, He turned up in his full Navy regalia as well, and his girlfriend went all out, including getting a babysitter. She ended the relationship over it, and he attended our wedding on his own. The best part was he had to put our car... He'd put our card in their wedding post box and he had to ask to get it back <laughs> what a legend so uh, Charlotte's just tweeted saying it's Tuesday not Thursday have I said it's Thursday a bit earlier on I think Charlotte was a little bit previously four seconds ago we definitely just said it was Tuesday's home time show I mean I got the name of a mountain wrong a bit earlier on but I feel like since then I've kept my nose clean so thanks very much Charlotte wind your neck in uh, so we're after your stories about weddings today ball number 28 has come out on the tombola I've uh, got Sean on the line tell us your wedding story please Sean 36 years ago we got married and at the time we decided to get married abroad which was unheard of. So we booked to go to the Seychelles, which was this little island that not a lot of people had heard about. And I had to take my wedding dress with me, obviously. 
So get on the train in Swansea. I got my wedding dress in a box and all the suitcases and bags and everything to go. And as we get on the train, my husband says to me, put it up on the top in case somebody steals it rather than leave it with the luggage. Right. I said, yeah, well, we'll forget it. No, so we won't forget it. We won't forget it. We get off the train, get on the bus to go from Reading over to the airport and get off at Heathrow. And I, when all the cases said, where's my dress? He said, I didn't pick it up. <laughs> I said, I'm not going. What do you mean you're not going? I said, I can't. I've got anything to wear. I don't want to go shorts and a T-shirt. They just need some, say, credit cards in, in the Seychelles. We have to pay everything in cash. Wow. That's why I rang Paddington Station. Yes. And they said, yeah, we've got the box. And I said, well, can you put it back on the train? He said, yeah, and do what with it? And I said, well, we'll try and sort it this in. I said, just take it off at Reading. Anyway, they sent it back to Reading. They put it across on the bus on its own. Yep. And we were standing in the airport. They said, this is the last call for the last two remaining passengers. Not going. If I haven't got my dress, I'm not going. Anyway, I literally had my dress and got on, and that, that was it. We didn't speak for three days, but we got there. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> it got there. That's the main thing. You got the... I did the dress look good? It looked good. I'm very nervous because tomorrow I'm taking our middle daughter Thea to go and get her vaccinations at the oh. doctor's around. Now I've never done this weirdly, just in terms of work days and timings and everything. Uh, I've never done this with one of my children before, so I'm, I'm quite scared. Is is the whole cube of sugar thing still a thing? You what? I remember back in the day. I swear, back in the day that I got given a cube of sugar when I was. Uh, was it just after the injection? I was a little bit disappointed with the whole COVID thing. It didn't get them there. I was kind of expecting it. It's like, even at the end, I was like, right, where's the sugar? Are you sure? I can remember there was a certain there was a certain kind of immunisation thing where I think what they did was they injected it onto a sugar cube and then you ate the sugar cube and you kind of, like, had it out. What, I don't a, what a deception that is. <laughs> <laughs> I, wow. I don't remember being given a sugar cube as a treat. I, I genuinely feel like that was a thing. I don't know. I don't want to I don't want to tell Thea. And then she gets there and she's like, well, Daddy, where's the sugar cube? Because I don't even know. Where you, where'd you even get sugar cubes from these days? When was the <laughs> um, last time you saw a sugar cube? <laughs> yeah, I keep sugar cubes at home do you? for my coffees, yes. You do get, you really? Yes, do you get them from the supermarket? I've, I haven't seen him in, in Yonks. Oh, I love a sugar cube. I love, I love him as well, particularly <laughs> when I'm getting injected. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if you're a good boy, I'll bring you one in tomorrow. It's unsettling, but man, I'll go for it. This is The Daily Takeaway. Take I can't not talk about pancakes. I, I've, I've waited like two hours, 15 minutes. I can't not. I'm I so excited. I saw you tweet earlier on, or put it on Instagram, best day ever about pancake day. Yes. I, I'm, I am completely nonplussed by pancakes. Food-wise, 365 days of the year... I am more excited about pancakes than I am about chocolate eggs, than, really? I, than I am about uh, a, tur- a turkey, than I am about toffee apples. There is no better food day in the calendar than today. Really? Out of all the other, all the other things, all the, you know, having um, um, haggis on Hogmanay and all that stuff. I like haggis. Right, but not as good as uh, not pancakes. as good. No, because I, I am a sweet tooth person. I'm not a savoury person. I don't care for savoury pancakes. Actually, as it is, don't get him started on that. <laughs> but no, tonight oh, I, I I did a supermarket shop this morning just for various different toppings of pancakes. And so, what is your favourite then? What are you going to have tonight then? Bear in mind, I, I'm not interested. I'm, I'm not in this. I'm just saying in pancakes in general. What are you I, going for? I, I'm going to. I am going to challenge you to not. But I'm going to look at your eyes as I talk uh-huh. about these different toppings. All right, go on then. Nutella and jam. What? As a combination? Yes. No, that's weird. Why is it? It's you, too much. You, have, you, have you never had a chocolate fountain? That's a little bit personal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
You dip a strawberry in a chocolate fountain. Right, this is getting too much, actually. Thanks very much. Lemon and sugar. That's fine. I like that, yeah. Ice cream and jam. No, so again, so that, where's all this jam coming from? What's your problem with jam? Stop putting jam in stuff. I just want to go home now. I want to toss. Oh, look, look, seriously. This is Bush and Rich's Daily Takeaway. There you go, another uh, daily takeaway in the bag. We just want to push you back to our Facebook page. We've got a big party planned mm. on Friday. We're doing load of sixties uh, music in the in the final hour of the show to celebrate. Uh, uh, we're trying to find the best decade uh, and focusing on our sister station, Absolute Radio sixties. If you've got a sixties song you want to hear, make sure you get in touch. Beach Boys, that's what I'm putting in. Oh, I like the Beach Boys. I might go for a bit of Beatles. That's fine. Hey Jude. Although I well, I like Hey Jude, but uh, all the Brentford fans were singing it after they beat us in, in, earlier on in the season. Plus, so. as well, Hey Jude's taken up a good six minutes of only an hour-long party. That's a good point. But then again, if you want to get the beers in, <laughs> stick a long song on. Hometime on AbsoluteRadio.co.uk. Mark your email sixties.